can you imagine entrusting your parents or even your own social care to robots? I would, my concern would lie in a robot only care process, you know, right? that statement, my parents' dementia felt like the end of joy. Like what a, a, like, that's a weighty statement. It's a very weighty statement. You don't expect the next part. (laughs) Well, and then, and that's when I was like, and, and then came robots, you know, like (laughs) a little jarring. Welcome to episode 278 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, Reverend Shannon Weston and your truly Reverend Brian Burkoff address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, hopefully with a good brew in hand. So whether you're a longtime listener or new to the show, you can get more content. You can hear all about Brian and I break down the uh, Lions and Ravens continuing um, on in football. We promise football will end soon for the rest of you. But for us now, we're just enjoying every second of it. Every second. Every single second. So um, for a few dollars a month, you can get access to pre and post show banter. Um, you can get merchandise like our pub theology gl- pint glasses. Still have some of those. Still have some stickers. Um, Brian might be able to go through a closet and find a coaster or two, even if you're insistent on that. Um, who knows what we who might knows? find for you. So sign up at patreon.com slash ptlive. Um, Ogan is not with us today. Ogan got, um, he had to travel for a funeral and um, got stuck in Miami. Poor thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he lives in Barbados. So it may be poor thing, but yeah, suffering. <laughs> suffering in Miami. Um, anyway, but today we're discussing loneliness, social rob- robots, and the keys of the kingdom. Not to the kingdom, but of the kingdom. Right. So, Brian, what are you drinking today? Well, I am drinking Coppercraft Distillery's Honolulu Blue Detroit Lions Vodka <laughs> Kool-Aid. Are you kidding me? Let's go. Lions continuing on against all expectations. I've never had this. Let's see what it looks like. It's going to be blue. It's a vodka drink. It's, it's a, a vodka, vodka drink. Local Kool-Aid distillery drink. here in Holland. It and is it Honolulu really blue. blue. And bubbly. This might be really gross. <laughs> <laughs> that is really blue. Like oh your whole God. mouth and that tongue. So blue. All right. Let's see what it tastes like. What does a Smurf taste like? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like a blue raspberry, like icy, icy. except it's no ice and it could use a little ice, frankly, but it's yeah. all right. But you know what? Go team. <laughs> we'll just run outside and grab a scoop of snow and throw it in there. There you go. <laughs> Make it a, a snow cone. <laughs> there you go. What do you got, Shannon? Well, I'm still going through my German beers, although I, I will say if we win again next week, um, I may have to, it's not a style of whatever that I like, but there's an Ed Reed, um, uh, Union Brewing makes an Ed Reed themed beer. So I might have to break it out next You week. might have to. 
I might have to. So here's uh, my German beer of the day, which is by Hollertar something um, brewing. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know any of this. There is some English on it. It's a something. There it is. Anybody who's on the video can Ooh, see. Ooh, Hopfen Cuvée. There you go. That's what it is. So this unique beer specialty combines the four best aroma hops from the Hollertau, which is the brewery region in Bavaria. So wonderful, and it's a nice tall one too, right? It's a yeah. They're all they're all they're all the big ones. They're all the big ones. Boom. Um, it's a five point three percent. And has 4.2 ABV. So we'll see. There you go. See how it goes. Oh, yeah. I didn't check mine. Mine is a 10% ABV. (laughs) 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 Nothing like a little Kool-Aid. Just keep it away from the kiddos. (laughs) Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I can taste that already. The blue is just going to linger for a while. I'm going to have a blue tongue by the time we're done here. Man. Yeah, I think that's right. On to today's topics. All right. Opening question. How do you like your eggs? And was there a time recently you had really great eggs? Scraping the bottom of the barrel, aren't you, Brian? <laughs> do you like eggs? I like eggs. eggs. Benedict? <laughs> Actually, that's probably like the first time I had eggs Benedict. I was like, "Oh, this is something special." Yes, agreed. I think that's true for me. I regularly make my eggs over easy. I like the runny yolk, but I don't like the white. I don't like the white to be the membrane part to be gooey at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. So, like, uh, over easy, but done. So the white part is done, but the yolk is not. No, I got you. So, yeah, that's the over Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I cut into it, it's still very yolky and yummy, but. I like that too, especially if I have like toast or hash browns mm-hmm. or something to sort of soak up the yolk with, then I especially like it that way. If I'm having it yeah. on its own, I might do over hard. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, eggs Benedict for sure. But my favorite is probably just an omelet with the works, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a good veggie omelet, maybe throw in some, some ham or, or, or bacon, um, definitely some onions, some tomatoes, some jalapeno, some cheese. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Some salsa on the top. Like, love it. You really do. Like it's a sink's worth of eggs. Like you could just put everything and uh, there's yeah. a couple eggs in there and I'll just, right. I'll just eat it, you know? It it might become um, nachos or something by the end, but it you know or tacos, but that's just right. All those things translate to eggs. I feel like I'm a I'm also a scrambled with cheese. Like yeah. I like an omelet, but like I like the fluffiness of the scrambled with cheese. Mm-hmm. That is so blue. I just can't get over that. <laughs> Sorry, that really is. <laughs> I mean, wow. they did a good job on the color. Like that's that's very real. It it is. Uh, it cracks me up. um anyway but yeah we you know it's really interesting to me there is this old there's this movie i shouldn't this old but you know the runaway bride movie with um julia roberts and yeah and like the big thing in that was like how she liked her eggs and she didn't actually know how she liked her eggs she just took on whatever her fiance's eggs were right and so when you ask this question i thought about that and it's funny because like derek was a scrambled with cheese and then 
like we got married and I made over easy for me. And he was like, that actually looks pretty good. And like, now he likes his eggs over easy. <laughs> there you go. So there really is something to the eggs, I think, you know. <laughs> there you go. So I will say now that we have our own chickens, so we have six hens that lay a good amount of eggs. So we have eggs readily available. And I don't mind that because I feel like you can do a number of things with eggs. They're good for breakfast, lunch, yeah. or dinner. So, Well, and I will, just one more thing about eggs. Like, I used to really think there wasn't a difference in the taste of eggs. And then I started buying good eggs. Yes. And there is absolutely a difference in the taste of eggs. Yes. Um, so we buy vital eggs, like vital pasture eggs. And because we can't have chickens. Um, we actually can have a chicken or I think up to two in our backyard, but our cat would definitely yeah. like it would not be good. Um, We've had a few standoffs with the cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our cat is feral. <laughs> um, but when we were in Greece, like the orange on those, like I have never seen anything like it. Yeah. It was the most beautiful, tasteful like, things. Like a deep um, milk. Yeah. Deep, deep orange. So the the more orange it is, the happier the chickens are. That's the that's the key. There so you go. If you're buying whatever's cheapest, I'm selling you spend a little, a few more dollars and invest in some eggs and well, and I think, you know, the the whole farming of chickens and the you know the agra business of of eggs is often not great for the animals mm -mm. and so getting paying a little more for free range yeah is you're, or you're local whatever happier yeah. chickens and it will yeah, and you'll be happier too yeah you know I've, i don't know somehow like the happier chicken in my body is better maybe i'm wrong So it is a lonelier podcast without Ogan. It is. <laughs> and our topic, one of our topics is loneliness. What is your experience with being lonely? And I'm going to read two quotes and tell me, does either of these resonate with you more than the other? First one is from Anne Hathaway, who says, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. That thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. So Anne expresses it as a worry uh, and a least favorite thing. Jody Picot, author, says, if you meet a loner, no matter what they tell you, it's not because they enjoy solitude. It's because they have tried to blend into the world before and people continue to disappoint them. So maybe she's saying it's chosen in some cases, mm -hmm. but chosen because you've been hurt. And so, you well, and she uses loner. Go ahead. Um, versus, yeah. So she's using the like I've chosen to be a loner or like standoffish or whatever. Um, because I one of the things about loneliness that I want to point out is like you can I, some of the most lonely moments of my life I have been surrounded by people. Mm. So aloneness and solitude to me are very different than loneliness. Um, sure. now one, they can go hand in hand. Obviously you can be lonely when you're alone, right. you know, when you're right. like by yourself, but you can also experience like, as, I mean, we've talked about this over and over again, but like as a pastor, I was very lonely. Yeah. Um, and that, that, and I was constantly surrounded by people. Um, it I wasn't agree. about there just being people around. 
Yeah, because you the dynamic and the boundaries you're trying to have as a pastor and the role you're in, like you're you're not dealing with, and this is not pejorative at all, you're not dealing with peers in the same way. Like right. you have a role with those folks or I or whoever is a clergy person that is different than if we were coworkers or right. na- just neighbors or attended the same church, but weren't in leadership on that. So it is, yeah, it is different. Yeah. But I, I mean, the other, like, I'll just, like, I had a marriage that I was very, very lonely in. And it's interesting how with loneliness with, right, loneliness in a relationship or loneliness with other people, you almost, I I bring it up in a way because, like, loneliness with others is it's really easy to stop seeing it as loneliness and to start feeling like you can't do it, you know, anything about it. So you just keep going and going and going. Mm. Um, Cause I think for those 10 years, I wouldn't have necessarily described that I felt lonely, but that is exactly how I but felt. But looking back, you can see it that way. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I felt like I was alone in this thing and, and, Anyway, so, so, I, I, just, so I guess a question based on how Jody Picoult frames it is, do you think loneliness is a choice? Or sometimes, sometimes can we be lonely against our will? Or is there is there always an, a way to not be lonely, I guess? I don't think there's always um, in that moment, right? There's work that can be done. Right. 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 But um, there are times I've watched loneliness be a choice for people that um and i also want to name depression here right like yes. there's which is a whole nother thing that yeah. i'm just I'm, I'm putting over here but i remember in seminary um real like there were some of us like myself included that really sought out meaningful relationship and community and then there were others that would constantly complain about the how there's no community here and there's no and and I remember just reflecting, going, like, there's some effort you have to put into this. Like, it you do have to come out of your room, right? You do have to like right. engage in the social opportunities. You you do have to make an effort to make friends and to get deep into those friendships and things like that. So it's not all up to someone else. I don't know. What do you, what's your yeah, experience the, the, there? Yeah, we all have to take ownership to a certain degree. And I think you named something important, which is depression. And sometimes when we're in a place experiencing depression, we what we might need is to get out of our room and, and go be social or be with others. But we just can't, like can't like, yeah. you, like you feel unable. And that and when that's happening, that's when hopefully there's someone or, you know, who can reach out or you know, identify that that's what's happening with you and, and so forth. Uh, But it's tricky. I think that, and I do want to hear what your experience is, but I also want to name, like, as we, one, we're in the middle of winter, which is awful for loneliness, right? Because I'm a person who really likes to be outside and I feel secluded and, you know, things like that. Um. We're also coming up on Valentine's Day where we celebrate couples. Right. And so I do think there's also imposed things that make us feel lonely. 
um, yeah. as well. And that that's valid. That's super real. Yeah, I think so. Um, I had something more to go. Well, I do want to, and like with the Anne Hathaway one, this is where, you know, you, you and I have a brood of kids, you know, not together, but right. like both of us. <laughs> yeah. And so like, this isn't something I worry about, not anymore, at least. Right. Same. Um, is because like, there's just so there, there's such a large, I mean, I already came from a large family and then I had a large family and it's, and, and I, I say that not to brag, but to say like, that's very, very real for people. To say you couldn't not, be alone if you wanted to. Like, so Derek's <laughs> out of town and the kids are at school all day. And I'm like alone in the house for the first time in months, <laughs> months I'm alone. Like you at least have a shed to go to. Like <laughs> I have a corner of the house. It's true. Know? It's true. It's <laughs> yeah. Honestly, sometimes you like, again, differentiating solitude from loneliness when you're around a lot of people or in a busy environment, you want, you need solitude once in a while to just yeah. be away from all of the the voices or other people's demands so that you can tend to what you need uh, for sure. Right. So I guess right. the, the thing that I, I was trying to remember um, was where does introversion and extroversion play into this? Like as an introvert, like for example, we've had, I think four or five snow days in the last week and a half. And I tend to not jump into my car and and go off and do things. And it's sort of giving me a little bit of like COVID flashbacks, like when we're cooped up in the house. But honestly, I don't hate that because I, I, I'm i okay as an introvert. I'll find things to do. I, I, have, I can do work. I mean, I work from home anyway, but I'll find a book to read, a, a game to play, a, a yeah, something to write or, you know, there's, I have stuff to do and I, I'm okay on my own. But if I was more introvert leaning, I feel like I'd be really frustrated right now. Yeah, I, and again, I, I really, they are two different things. Um, you know, Derek, Derek often does talk about, like, he's extremely introverted. Um, and I am technically on the ambivert scale, although I, I definitely lean on the extrovert side. You go both ways. <laughs> I swing a lot of ways, right? <laughs> but, but there, but, but over time, like some of my early, like my young life trauma actually made me busier, which led to loneliness because like, I couldn't stop. Right. right. I had to keep going as a trauma response. Cause like, you know, if I stopped moving, then I would have to deal with the reality of what's going on around me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I very much lean into that. Like there's nothing I want more than to go sit by a fire on a day like today and yeah. just read a book, listen to some music, watch the, my favorite thing in the whole world is to just watch a freaking fire. Like it's amazing. And I love it. <laughs> like, yes. 100%. And if I don't get out of the house every once in a while, if I don't get, you know, some people time, like I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's not healthy either to be no. cooped up and alone for too long. Like, yeah, even for me, an introvert, like, so, for example, we did church online a week and a half ago, not this past Sunday, because, you know, there was a winter storm warning and like just tons of snow and bad roads. We debated this past Sunday because 
right along the lakeshore, Holland got nailed with snow, but everywhere just east of us didn't. Mm -hmm. So like half of our congregation didn't get any snow and half got slammed. We're like, should we go online again? Right. We didn't. We went in person, and I think everybody was so glad to see, even after one week off. One week, was so yeah. glad to see each other again. Well, and like you said, those flashbacks, right? Like those. Yes. Um, and but I think in terms of loneliness, like as well, you know, we have middle schoolers, or I have, I still have middle schoolers. I think yours are all in high school at this point. Mine are but all like, in high school and beyond. But like. Middle school to the beginning of high school, some of the loneliest years. Yeah. Because you don't, and again, surrounded by people, because you feel like, and this is, I think, one of the keys in loneliness around people is like, you feel like you're the only one, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm the only one experiencing this. I'm the only one going through it. I'm I'm the only one who can do something about it or make and a decision. And you're unsure of yourself at that age. Like, you're still exactly. figuring out who am I? What what. Like, what's my identity? And the, there's just, at least I experienced, just a lot of low self-confidence. Absolutely. But I would say the same is true when we experience loneliness as an adult. Like, yeah, it's the, it's it's tapping into an insecurity somehow. I think you're right. That, that, and that's where I say, like, it isn't all pull up your bootstraps and get over it. But there, there are things we can do yeah. to work on ourselves to get out of it, you know? Yeah. For sure. And yeah, easier said than done, but like, it's worth it. That's it's one of those things where Period. like, if you, you know, when you've been in that place and you've debated, let's say going out to some event and you know, you're going to be around people, but you're kind of the lethargy and inertia makes you, you know, maybe I'll just stay in. But those times you do actually take yeah. the effort, go out. You're like, I'm so glad I did that. Like very rarely, unless some disaster happens, are you like, I hated that I decided to go be around people in, in this, what turned out to be a, a good time, whatever. Yeah. I mean, so a question we rarely ask ourselves as an adult, like, what do we want? Mm. Like, cause we do everything for everybody else or yep. especially as parents or whatever else, but like, what do I like? So what do I want and what do I need? So yeah. if I need, if I really need some alone time, then no, but I, I, it's the first advice it was applicable to um she gave it to me as as my mentor from um like my my church pastor mentor in seminary when i was doing field education and it was we were going on pastoral care visits and she says you know sometimes i just don't want to go but i have never in all of these years and she's like you will never regret showing up and you will like every time i have regrets it's because i didn't go like, right. or I waited, you know, oh, I really should go today, but I'll go tomorrow. Like, and then something happens. She's like, you will never regret going and showing up. And I have absolutely taken that advice on of, you know what, it, if I know that I need it, but I just kind of don't want to, like, I will not regret going and showing up. And so now, if what I need is to sit at home by my fire, then that's what I need. And that need trumps, you know, even if I want to go. Like I've had to learn as an extrovert how to say no and pull back from social situations. And then you need to um, learn to not um, 
be mad at yourself or feel like you made the, you need to forgive yourself or not for give yourself permission, I guess is the word I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's always the sort of fear of missing out, right? When we know there's something happening and we're not a part of it, you got, yeah. when you need to not be a part of it, you just need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And that to me came down to self-importance. Like what makes, you know, like there was the fear of missing out. And then it was also like, why do you feel like you have to show up to this thing when it's not something, you know, that you need right now? Yeah. Like, but if my, like, and again, this is where partnership, like if my husband needs me to show up, then I'm going to show up for him. Like yeah. that's part of the dance. But I also need to not resent him if I didn't speak my need to stay alone. <laughs> right, 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 right. Anyway. All right. So people get lonely, but does God get lonely or did God get lonely? Religion news service writer Dwight Lee Walter suggests that God did get lonely. He says in Hebrew and Christian scripture, God created humankind in God's own image. In part, he says, it seems because God, even God was lonely. Do you read it that way? I mean, he says it seems, which sort of there's a reading into the text mm-hmm. that God, you know, God created humanity in Genesis one and two because God was lonely. I don't know that I've heard that reading of it or that that's at least not a prominent reading of it. It's not a prominent reading. I think I have heard the idea before. Um, <laughs> I made a joke the other day. It's a horrible joke and I'm so sorry. I had a, I, I will preface this joke by saying like, um, there was a long period of time where I didn't think I was able to have children and worked very, very hard and worked with a lot of doctors and scientists in order to have children. So I prefaced that with this very insensitive joke where I said to my husband, why did I think this was a good idea? What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and that is my first thought when I read this. Right. Like, you know what I should make? I should make a world and I should make children and I should put people on it. And then now I bet God's like, oh, you know what? Just yeah. five minutes in the bathroom alone. Okay. Yeah. Then Just God is like, don't Job. Need me. God is like Job from Arrested Development. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what was my first thought when I you read that. Oh my gosh. Oh. I mean, why not? Why couldn't God get lonely? Like that makes all the, I mean, what we just described as like feeling like everything's on your shoulders and Ah. everything's your responsibility. You're in a different role than everyone else. Than everyone else. And like, and, and that actually speaks to like a free will stance to say like, I'm not going to make you puppets. Like I'm going to make you make your own decisions. Just like I get to make my own decisions. Like, right. I don't know. There might be something to it. Yeah, it is interesting to think about. I think a reason a lot of people would resist this reading is because it presents a lack in God. And a lot of people don't have room in their theological framework for God to be less than perfect, right? Or less than ideal. And so lonely just a failing on God's part. And so some people wouldn't even entertain this concept. And that's where I would argue back that I don't know that loneliness is a failing. Like loneliness is 
what it is. It's it is what it is. A, it's a it's an indicator to us that we are built for community. There it's an go. indicator to us that like we were never meant to be um the end of, like we were never meant to have so much power that we didn't have others working with us. Um I think yes, it's an indicator that something's wrong but that taps into something greater that we are falling short of. So why why is that a failing on God's part to get lonely? Why isn't it speaking to the communal nature of who we who who we are made in God's image? Yeah, no, I I, I like that. I think that's a good way to frame it. That <laughs> that loneliness is not a failure, and I think that's an important thing actually for the prior discussion too about loneliness. That it's it's not a a, a moral failing or or any other sort of personal failing. Um, I, I think another way people would would bristle at this from a Christian view is the Trinitarian concept that God has always been in community with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes. And so there is could be no loneliness because God is already a community. And in fact, God made people as an overflow of that relational dynamic within the Trinity, which I like that concept, but I, I also wouldn't, I don't get hung up on being um, dogmatic about it. I just want to kind of follow that out loud for a minute. So this may go nowhere. I'm going to warn you, you know, it may sound really stupid, but when you take the Trinity, yes, there's a community built into God, but it's three parts of one. There's still a oneness to the responsibility. So there's a shared nature. Like when the Trinity has a shares a pint with each other is it one pint or do they each need a pint do they each get a pint is it three pints (laughs) and is there like a two drink minimum so like what do you do when if there's only one pint with the two drink minimum do you get two and then like jesus is without like i don't know i know or does he just say i'll have some water i i mean i'm just curious you know i'll leave a big tip too if you (laughs) i i and still, I will say this, like, if I had to only be with two other people forever and ever, amen, I would get still lonely. Can we bring in some other folks here? Can, can we, we just, just diversify a little? Can we just expand our portfolio? Yeah. Yes. 100%. 100%. Like, yeah, spirit, you're very breezy and nice, but like. We could just really use some grounding right now. So, I I mean, I think this writer is reading into the text a bit, but I don't think it's unreasonable because suddenly there's humans and humans are made in the divine image and they're having conversation. And it talks about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So there is this sort of implied relational dynamic from the outset. And you would think that would if there were loneliness, that would help dispel it. So see, gar- God likes to garden, but Jesus and the spirit didn't. So it's like, I need some people that like to garden like I do. So, you know. Exactly. But but what's, here's what I like about this. It's not. But if you I mess guess, with my apple tree, there'll be flaming swords. I mean, that's mine. That's my you're, tree. Like nobody touches here. my tree. <laughs> well, that's just, you know, like that's, that's um, committee, you know compromising right like what if we made it a game like fine jesus we'll make it a game you know like what if what if we (laughs) whatever nice anyway 
But I, what I like, the question behind this statement is, what's the why to creation? Mm, yeah. And and this God was lonely is a is a brainstorming. And here's what I want people in faith to do. I want them to play with it and to have fun with it and to move beyond a simple answer and move into imagination because I do think we're missing some of that. And so like, why, what is the why? Like, what was God's purpose in doing this? And and that's a great fun question to ask and to play with. And why not? Like loneliness is one of those options. Why not? I, I love that. And I think you put it in a really good way. Like, let's play with it. Let's wonder, let's ask the question and not and not assume we know what the answer is because too much of theology is is already sort of prescribed prescripted i already know all the answers i already have the framework and we can't step we can't color outside the lines and yeah. you're suggesting no color outside the lines ask the questions wonder have fun i use imagination we need all of that in our sort of theological uh, approach because otherwise it gets stale and lifeless and we're taking ourselves too seriously, frankly, if we can't do that. Exactly. And it's not outside the realm of scripture. Like scripture has multiple creation narratives because yes. the truth is we have no idea why or right. even how. Yeah. So like it's built into scripture to play with the idea of creation. So go for it. And if it turns out God created first just like matter and then amoebas and had to wait millions of years. That would have been <laughs> looking at the watch. I mean, what if Earth is just one big oops, baby? I mean, wow. Didn't see where that amoeba was going. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh. Wow. Okay, thought, then. Thought we tied the divine tubes. I guess not. <laughs> I guess, you know, Amazing. I guess that ring around Saturn didn't do this job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So one of the things that happens when folks get older is often dealing with loneliness. They're separated from family, kids support. And this particularly can happen to people who are experiencing dementia. And so researchers are working on creating social robots to help older folks who are experiencing dementia have company. And in Wired Magazine, writer Kat McGowan says, my parents' dementia felt like the end of joy. Mm -hmm. Then came the robots. And she shares her experience with particularly this one robot called QT, the letters QT. Sounds like cutie, but it's QT. And that it actually was able to engage with her parents. I don't know how well it could pick up social cues, but it could smile at appropriate times. It could... It could volley a response back, ask questions. Mm -hmm. And for her, who couldn't always be present with her folks in this stage of life, she felt like if there's technology like this, I feel better that they aren't so alone. So does this sound hopeful to you or concerning? And can you imagine entrusting your parents or even your own social care to robots? I would, my concern would lie in a robot only care process, you know, right? Um, because it just, 
don't know that robots and and again i know that robots can do a lot but can take over the energy that is created when another human being is present and the touch that is created you know there may be some of that but not a lot um it's interesting to talk about loneliness in relationship to dementia because listen dementia is terrifying yeah and yeah you know i i it's not just terrifying for the person that has it it is extremely terrifying for the family yes. and it's just brutal Ab- yes. it is really like it is absolutely brutal on the family and so if there's a way to relieve some of that that brings comfort to the person while also giving some relief to the family like then let's then i'm not going to i'm not going to shun it Right, because a robot could hear the same story a thousand times and have an enthusiastic response every time. Every time, yeah. And a human, frankly, can't. And it's and it's soul crushing because you know that person and you know that's no longer them right. in their fullness, and it's right. heartbreaking every time. Right. And I had a um, I had a woman who had this was early on in my career and she had the type that, I mean, she really would reset like every 30 seconds. Mm. And there would be people that really did say to me, like, why, like, why even go? I mean, this goes back to our earlier, like you never regret going. And I mean, Brian, sometimes I would stay for like three minutes because it, we would have the same conversation. Otherwise, yeah, it's just on a loop and you almost go crazy trying to just stay present with that. Right, exactly. And it reintroduced myself every 30 seconds, you know, because right. I'm I'm not part of her long-term memory or right. her, you know, so, I, but I would go and I would say hi and I would, you know, just a little tiny bit break up the monotony of the day. Um, and I, and I never regret going, but I just, there were times where I just didn't stay for a really long period of time because it actually would it's weird that she couldn't really, she couldn't remember that she was, you know, every 30 seconds who I was, but the longer they went on, there was also more agitation to it. Cause she was, yeah, you right. know, there, there was something in her that knew, like, I'm, I, I shouldn't have to ask you who you are. I shouldn't right. have to say hello. Like there's something in her. In the deeper was, subconscious that there was this, you know, frustration building. Yeah. And so like, I think this is one of those areas that like that wouldn't happen, you know, necessarily. I, I don't know. I, that statement, my parents' dementia felt like the end of joy. Like what a, a, like. That's a weighty statement. It's a very weighty statement. You don't expect the next part. (laughs) Well, and then, and that's when I was like, and, and then came robots, you know, like. (laughs) A little jarring. Not where I expected that to go. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever hell. I don't know. Would you would you let a robot take we know Ogan would let a robot take care of him? Like what <laughs> I can I can do this for him. I mean, I, I think, you know, and she notes, and it's a long article in Wired magazine and and, and notes that researchers are really working hard with anthropology and, and mm-hmm. sociology and all this stuff to try to make these things as helpful as possible. Um, in terms of really engaging on a social level. And she notes that they're not there yet. Like it's, it's preliminary, but you can see signs. And so she actually did get to spend time with her parents, with one of these robots and see 
wow, like I can see promise here. Like things are moving in a helpful direction. And I, I don't know, like, uh, you know, we're all worried about AI and the, the takeover of robots. Uh, and so I guess there's concern on the one end, like, are we just submitting ourselves to our future overlords? Right. But if there's proper guardrails, I could see this being helpful and and yeah. and a relief and a support and a, a peace of mind that they're not there's not the loneliness that there might be otherwise. And I'm not failing by still trying to live my own life while still providing the support I can that's reasonable. Right. Right. And again, I, I think we've got to give a lot of a lot of room and a lot of grace and space for people who are in these positions caring for um yes parents with dementia long term very difficult illnesses and the other thing i think it does which is quite quite frankly needed like it frees up valuable nurses you know right. so like right. it we already have such a nursing shortage this is it's very difficult to be a nurse on a dementia ward or in a home and and nurses are still needed, but then they can be freed up from sort of the emotional weight that the job yes. inevitably contains. Yes. And I just think of like a, a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's are often runners because they don't understand why. And and so like that could be another like alerting, a robot could alert like, you know, yeah. she's out of her room, she, you know, like blah, yes. blah, blah. There's some there's methods there that I think are helpful. And the robots know? can remind about medicines too. Like, Hey, it's time right. to take, you know, your pill, you need to take this and, and there yep. could, you know, some practical things on that front too. So it's interesting. And I, I it is, you know, you get a, uh, I think wired gives you one or two free article reads um, before you have to pay. So if any listeners want to read more about this, you can go to wired.com yeah. and I think it's, it's, it'll show up on the, you know, on a an easy scroll you'll see it an easy scroll sounds like something they you know invented it couldn't think of the right way to one or two scrolls down i wasn't sure how does it i don't know Uh you'll find it all right in uh matthew gospel of matthew 16 verse 19 jesus gives the so-called keys of the kingdom to peter He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do you read this, Shannon? I mean, what do you think the keys of the kingdom are? What are they referring to? And then secondarily, if you could make them mean anything, what would you make them mean? It's it's always one of those like cryptic texts, right? Where it's like, is there something magical happening? And like, if I speak something here and then in heaven, like something, right? you know, like it's, it's weird. It's, it's one of those weirder texts. Was it when Harry met Sally that it's like, I figured out the key to life and it's this, it's <laughs> your little finger, right? Your little finger. Like, yeah, I don't, it's not when Harry met Sally. Anyway, it's something, but yeah. anyway, it's, it's yeah. kind of like that, right? Like, yes, I, I don't know. I wonder about this text in um and a question of like an essence of who we are. Like is there something in us 
that is core and foundational um, that like in our soul that who who we are in that the more we live into that the more authentic and real that is that's the part that goes with us forward i don't i don't think this is about works a tit for tat right i don't think this is about um decision yeah I, i don't know like whatever yeah, and the, it's sort of the, the Roman Catholic reading, I think, is that Peter is the head of the church, and only those who follow in apostolic succession from Peter can be the Pope, and therefore, right. you know, are in charge of the whole church global. I think mm-hmm. that's the, and pardon right. me, Roman Catholic readers, if I'm off on that, but that's my, you know, rough understanding of the Catholic view, that this is Jesus sort of putting Peter in charge or anyone who comes in the name of Peter to follow in terms of the papal succession. I frankly don't think that's what's happening either, but I can understand where they, how they get there, but I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah. So, you know, to put that in a kind of an evangelical way of like, if I take Jesus into my heart and commit my life to Jesus, well, then I'm going to heaven. Like that, that to me is just not what this scripture is saying. Um, and 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 the language is difficult, right? Because there's binding and loosing. Like it's not language we use easily mm-hmm. or regularly. And so, what does it mean to bind or loose something? You know, I feel like there's something in the in the Greek and probably the original Aramaic or Hebrew that, frankly, is lost in two thousand years of translation. Yeah, I. Um... Just I was just gonna look up like what other translations said about it. Like Peter had long hair, and then he bound right. it up, and then he loosed it. And, and then he loosed it. <laughs> he let it go loose. Jesus um, is like, if you have a man bun on Earth, you will have a man bun for eternity. <laughs> I mean, if you want to take a literal reading to that kind of thing, and again, I I think you're right. Like we're losing something in the English there, but. That to me even like speaks to going back to like what what is what really matters to you Mm. and what are your um, non-negotiables. Yeah. And then what are you willing to create some space on? What are you willing like that to me is kind of where how I read it. I like that. I like that. But so that that goes back to like I say this all the time, but like Anna Carter Florence and she's a preaching professor at Columbia Seminary, and she used this in a sermon or a lecture after a sermon, and she was like, "We always say don't go put God in a box, but like there's nothing wrong with parameters, right? That's the binding. There's nothing wrong with like no, it's okay that like like I don't think God punishes you for blah blah blah. Like it's okay to have that parameter." And then she was like, but just don't put a lid on it. Like, don't put a lid on the box. Right. And so that's like binding and loosing, like keeping, keeping yourself open, keeping yourself available, but also having some boundaries, having some parameters. And those who are listening to the podcast can't see all the lovely hand motions that Shannon's doing. She's doing boxes. She's doing uh, bottoms and tops and opening (laughs) it. It's beautiful. You all know what a box looks like. Imagine. She's taking the lid off. I am. Yeah, bind and loose. Oh, 
new living translation, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now that is interesting. That that's language we're more familiar with permitting and allowing. Whatever is, this is the Bible in basic English. (laughs) I don't know who translates this. Wow. By the way, the shortened, you know, they have the initials for all, like the NRSV and the blah, blah, blah. Um, This one is BBE. (laughs) The BBE. Um, Whatever is fixed for you on earth will be fixed in heaven. And whatever you make free on earth will be made free in heaven. Wow. Well, we we did fix our cats. Does that count? Right. (laughs) I I do think people have read this of like, so if I lose a limb, will I not have that limb? You know, like they oh, there's a literalness to it. That is um, true, right? Will my heavenly body or my body mm-hmm. on the new earth uh, not have, you know, a, a baby toe if I injured it here or something? Oh, God's word translation. Whatever you imprison, God will imprison. And whatever you set free, God will set free. I like that too. I do too. New, new, whatever. New something. God's word translation. New God. <laughs> God's word, by the way, is all caps. <laughs> oh, there you go. This all is God. Caps. This is God's word. But I like that in prison and set free. I do too. Like because that, like frankly, that makes a lot more sense than bind and loose. We just don't use bind and loose very much. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of these keep loose, but change the first one. You know, they change, they make it prohibit or not. And they, they change bind, but they don't change loose. I think that was the um, the Disney translation. Whatever you imprison or whatever you let go. You know, you just got to yeah. let it go. Whatever you set free. No, but I actually kind of like the way, you know, whatever you lock on earth will be unlocked. Okay. Um, this is yeah. Shannon and I doing real time, uh, real time translation work. <laughs> There's the Greek, but I don't know. I I don't remember my Greek. We're a little, we're a little rusty on the original languages here. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, there's the Latin. I don't know what that is. But I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I like the, the setting free, the, the locking, the imprisoning, the letting go. Yeah. I mean, but I still think this is about like, you know, this is where um, Pat Roberts would blame Katrina on the gays, right? Like mm-hmm. he would use this text like, well, it's because we permit this blah, blah, blah. I'm not even going to repeat anything he would say, you know, that kind right. of thing. Right. And and that I just I just don't read this there. Like, it, no. That to me is a boundary of, I'm going back to my box. Those of you listening, I'm going back to my hands <laughs> with the sides of the box to say that is outside of the bounds. Oh, that, that is not. And especially this is Jesus giving the keys, which is, you know, like not like a literal key, but like a, you know, here's the main parts of the puzzle. Here are the corners of the puzzle yeah. that you need. Um, and, and that, you know who we are at our core is who we who we are who we will be and who we have been and you know this is not this is not how Jesus lived his life 
to say, because this happens, God is punishing you for it or whatever. Else. Right. This is not a, yeah, causal one and one, one to one causal thing. Um, yeah. And, and speaking of keys, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but um, when I was a student at Michigan and there, and I'd be at a game and it'd be third down, everyone would pull out their keys and shake them really loud shake them. because yeah. it's a key play. Yeah. Those no, because the it's time to go home. <laughs> Those are not the keys of the kingdom. They were just like, <laughs> let's let's get a stop here. Let's get it to fourth down. So we we would pull out our keys um, in Memphis at the end of the basketball game when oh. it was time for them to go home. Like, ah, I like that too. Yes. Yep. It's time Perfect. for you to go home now. Here are your keys. Yes. I yeah. love it. I love yep. it. So yeah, that was just a football callback for anyone who wants more football content. Subscribe on Patreon and get our pre-show mm-hmm. where you'll get our AFC and NFC previews. Ugh. Y'all, I'm nervous. I'm not going to, I just am. I mean, big... Derek yells at me. He's like, Shannon, this is the best football team we've seen. And I'm like, right. That's why I'm nervous. I know. I don't understand that. Exactly. <laughs> it's all riding on this weekend. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to, I'd rather talk about the difference between binding and loosing than football <laughs> sorry i re- I reintroduced anxiety into the system <laughs> i feel Let more go. confident solving an unsolvable mystery of I, a verse <laughs> what i Jesus think if you said, claim a raven's victory on earth it will be so in heaven it will be so in heaven but then like everybody but like five teams will be victorious in heaven <laughs> <laughs> anyway Oh, man. (laughs) Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre- and post-show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Our top cities tuning in this week are Dallas, Texas, Minneapolis, Minnesota. By the way, go St. Paul. I know it's sister city but like st paul city council all women under 40 go them let's go we can do it let's vote in these elections and would you like to read that next town and el cerrito california el cerrito i've never been to el cerrito i would like to anybody in el cerrito that would like to have me come to el cerrito i'd be happy to join you there you can watch a video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. <laughs> <laughs>